You're listening to the Owls AmeriCast, sponsored by Sheffield Wednesday's iFollow live match streaming service. Sign up now at swfc.co.uk slash iFollow. Sheffield Wednesday's second best defensive record in the championship is preserved, and we'll talk about it here on the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and since Evan is off this week, I decided to fulfill the bourbon quota by making myself a little old-fashioned. I have some uh, S.E. Callahan two-year-old bourbon that I picked up last year. In the Tennessee Hills, Tri-City area, I guess it's technically a three-year-old bourbon now because I've been working my way through it. Generally, I don't like young whiskeys, but this is a, quite a nice one, uh, and it makes a fine old-fashioned. I've also already had one. This is my second one, so we will see. We don't have a lot to talk about, so we'll see how loose this podcast gets as we go on. Hopefully here to rein me in is the always sober and realistic James Allen. James, what are you drinking? Uh, I don't know if either of those attributes are are ever entirely true, Jeff, but thank you for, I think, a compliment, at least one of them. Um, I'm drinking a uh, a Northeast IPA, uh, New England IPA. I always forget which Niper I should be calling it. Um, From Rockaway, on the corner from uh, just across from my apartment. It's called DJ Duct Tape and MC Superglue, which I guess is an homage to the fact that I spent most of last weekend making kids Halloween costumes. Uh, which I'll probably be doing again tomorrow night before Halloween itself. If it's from Rockaway, I'm pretty sure it's not a uh, New England IPA. It is a New York version of a hazy IPA with three Zs. Also on the line, just across a river or two from James is Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Good evening, gentlemen. I have uh, taken heed from Jeff's last week uh, and got some left-hand milks out into the fridge. So I'm on my second or third, I think. So it's going down pretty well. Hopefully episode 82 of the Owls AmeriCast will be just as smooth for you, the listener. We'll try to answer a few questions for you, like what happens when the teams with the two best defensive record in the championship meet. What happens when one of the hosts pick Morgan Fox as player of the month? That might be a thing that happens. And what happens when Luke isn't here to defend the MLS against myself? But we'll start with 90 minutes and 90 seconds and a somewhat relatively frenetic nil-nil draw against Leeds. Wednesday zero, Leeds zero. Well, what did you expect? It was the two best uh, defensive teams in the championship. It was a better nil-nil than the Stuart Gray or Joss Lukai era, but definitely a cagey affair at Hillsborough as the battle between second and third shared the points. Wednesday arguably had the Lions' share of the chances as Morgan Fox, is that right? Morgan Fox marauded down the left side and whipped in Chris Brunt-esque crosses. Those are not my words. Take it up with our social media team. Leeds were up for it, though, and the returning Kieran Westwood made an amazing save of his own to match Dawson's effort against Stoke from midweek. Although neither goalkeeper had the performance Kiko Casilla turned in for Leeds between the sticks as early chances went wanting, late chances went wanting, and Wednesday blow another chance to go top of the table. Ah, well, apparently there will be plenty more. So, James, uh, in your return to the pod, you just want to talk about Hutch. Yeah, is he is he first on your uh, is he first on your ideal eleven? I think he's first on everybody's eleven, Jeff, uh, for various reasons. Um, No, let's uh, let's get beyond the uh, the superficial uh, and uh, and unfair characteristics. We've all seen the shirtless photo on Twitter. We have. Um, No, I I want to talk about just the way that Hutch seemlessly dropped into centre back with uh, with Oofa when uh, when Borna got injured in the warm up. I think. you know, given that uh, Julian Borner has become quickly the folk hero of Hillsborough, uh, and everybody thinks he is probably the best central defender since Michael Hector, um, you know that was a pretty big blow. Uh, and I think you know there was a little bit of kind of collective I gasp. Gonna, when, I thought uh, you were going to say Dion Dublin. Well, exactly. Um, that would be possibly overstating things a little bit, Jeff. Um, but you know, Hutch slotted back in there. We know it's his natural kind of position in terms of where he where he grew up at Chelsea, but he was 
he was seamless. He was reliable. He led the line. Um, he and Aofa looked superb together. Um, and by the way, Dom Aofa is, is growing game by game, I think, as, as a centre-back, um, given that this is uh, you know where we seem to repurpose him for an extended stretch now that Leeds is injured. But I just thought Hutch was composed. You know, he didn't didn't give away silly fouls. He um, he you know he organised the team really well. He, he gave everybody confidence, and I thought that was. That was part of the reason why we had a really solid base to build from, and we defended excellently throughout. So uh, it was just a big, big kudos to Sam Hutchinson. I thought he really showed his value to us on Saturday. It is kind of interesting to note that, like, the last couple of weeks they've had players go out in warm-ups, and it really has never at any point in time become a story. I wouldn't say this is the, you know, the deepest Wednesday roster in recent memory, but... I think there is something to be said, and I'm going to throw this back to you, James, because this was sort of something you talked about when Wednesday first hired uh, Gary Monk. But everybody, like, if it's not the most exciting football, you know, we talk more about their defensive record than their goal-scoring record for good reason, but it does seem like everyone seems to know their role when they're in the squad, and they can move around on short notice, and we don't lose sort of any... Uh, tactical cohesion no it's really telling isn't it and I, I think i think that's a really astute observation jeff you know I'm, I'm giving the credit to hutch but perhaps we should give the credit to the instruction um although he executed it really well but it's not just a question of players knowing their role but knowing other roles as well um and look you know for one guy to know what 10 other guys on the pitch are doing they've got to have fairly simple understandings and and fairly short um briefs on what each of those uh, responsibilities are so I have to assume that what Monk said when he came in and got the job is is exactly what he's doing. He's kind of giving literally you know each player two bullet points and and they're able to execute against it and that seems to be the case so far so good in terms of just you know players fitting in slotting in and out of the side. Um, it's not thrilling, um, but actually on Saturday at times we put together some football to match leads and you know the overall point last season was we were well well short of Leeds standard. Um, and maybe they've ebbed a little bit since 2017-18 uh, uh, or 18-19. I forget what year we're in. Um, but we've definitely stepped our game up. Um, and on Saturday, we looked an equal equal partner to them, which was great. Patty, you want to jump off that point since you're just recycling talking points now? Because I think you've already discussed Unity before. <laughs> really? I think I'm listening to too much Idols music. Um, so, yeah. I put Unity again on my <laughs> bullet point, apparently, because I don't think there's anything I could call out in this match. It was just a great team performance. Uh, I was thinking about Hutchinson too, James, so I'm glad you covered the Hutch off. Fox uh, got voted man of the match um, on our uh, Twitter feed uh, by a number of different votes. Um, and just as a whole, we seem to be able to uh, defend well, uh, attack well, uh, we're just missing that little bit of look, I suppose, up front and a little bit more cutting edge. So for me, I wanted to call out just uh, the fact that we're playing a centre-defensive midfielder and a right-back at centre-half, not anywhere near our first two-choice centre-halves at the beginning of the season, uh, and they played fantastically. I think uh, every single player on the pitch had a great game, um, except for one, and I won't name that person. I feel like he gets a lot of stick already, but he plays in centre-midfield and came in for... Sam Hutchinson. I think it was just great. I think everyone's playing for the team, right? Everyone's putting the shift in. Um, I think I really do like the Fletcher and Atty uh, twosome up front. I think it gives defenders the right headache. I don't think Atty's in the right place at the right time when we need him to be sometimes, but he does put a shift in. Um, I think Reach had a great game, making some good runs from deep, which was picked out by both uh, Fox a couple of times and Bannon playing him in. Uh, he should have probably could have had a goal as well. Um, there were so many near misses in this game that I think we should probably call out that the, the Leeds goalkeeper had a great game too. Um, Tico Cassia, as we just discussed before the podcast started recording. Uh, the save from uh, Fletcher's 20-yard pile driver was outstanding only matched by Westwood a few minutes later when he um, tipped Bamford's uh, header across uh, um, past the post so yeah he's he made some great saves throughout the game uh, the, the goalkeeper and I think other than him there's only really that Eddie Nakataya uh, who came out at half time who really made a good um, uh, argument for Leeds' 
uh, high position because I think other than those two, they were pretty bang average. They, they made a lot of bad passes in that game, um, and we made we we looked better. We looked the better, more composed team. Um, so yeah, I said unity. It was just a bit a bit of a kind of generic thing to say. I think we're playing well as a team, and there's lots of things to talk about in this match. I think there's a good point in there too, and James touched on a little bit earlier about sort of the gap between Wednesday and Leeds over recent years. And we mentioned this last week where we still don't exactly know where Wednesday fit within the championship, but this was another you know team certainly with promotion aspirations, a team ahead of them at the table. And again, just it was not an impressive performance. It doesn't seem like there's like maybe West Brom away uh, next month will you know they'll blow our doors off or something but I think there's something to like we don't only get to, we've had some bad performances under Monk some bad losses some bad draws but we've never really looked not at the races at any point in time which I think is which is something to uh, hold on to going forward which brings me to my talking point after this game which is that I have a theory I put this in the New York Owls WhatsApp group already but this is very refreshing from recent years because I think we've generally, you know, even given the way they finished under Luhukai at the end of 2017-2018, uh, there was, you know, anticipation. Certainly the second year of Carlos's tenure as well and even into the third year of Carlos's tenure. With Steve Bruce leaving for Newcastle and the, the uneven start to the season and... You know, what I think we owed at the time was not a particularly inspirational hire in Gary Monk. There hasn't been a ton of expectations for this edition of Sheffield Wednesday. And they're not so good that at any point in time, I think we're going to get particularly excited about them. And they're going to be frustrating. And we're going to keep thinking probably from now until whenever they fall out of it, if they fall out of it, maybe they won't fall out of it, which is my greater point that, you know, the, the other shoe's going to drop. They're good. They don't score enough goals. They're going to start losing matches, but they're also just good enough. And this year's edition of the championship might be just bad enough that we'll be doubting them all the way to the playoffs or even higher. Cause I haven't seen anything from this league that suggests they're not one of the six best teams in it. Now they so might, I think your last point I, might be the most crucial one there, right. Jeff, which is... I mean, there's the... 15 teams that can say that. It's part of the problem, but... Yeah, so, so nobody's taken off in this league like, yet, yet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so irrespective of what you think the quality of the Sheffield Wednesday squad season, you know, vintage is, whatever you like, we are right at the races after, what is it, 13 or 14 games. Um, and we've had a... You know, we've had periods in this season where we haven't really kind of clicked into gear yet, and that that's different to other seasons. You know, if we if we played with uh, less conviction in previous years, there's a team that's kind of ten, twelve points away from us at this point, and no one's taken off like that. So I think I think the league is just more flat this year than it has been in several cycles, um, and I think that plays to our advantage absolutely. And if, if you know if Wednesday click into gear and go on a run, then. <laughs> They've got as good a chance as anybody else. It doesn't mean to say that we will or that someone else won't, but um, right now it's a level playing field going into the winter, right? Yeah, I think that's uh, refreshing in a way. Like you expect somebody eventually is going to, you know, put 13 points from five games together or something. But then again, you look at the teams around Wednesday and they've, they've played a fair amount of them at this point and, there's no squad there you really pick out and think that's a clear-cut automatic promotion contender. Maybe West Brom, but again, they haven't actually set the league on fire. They've had some fairly middling results recently. It all comes down to January, Jeff. It's <laughs> it's when we sign that 20-goal-a-season mythical striker for like £10 million pounds. Um, you know, who's just the one play we need to unlock the season. And um, I feel like I've, three I've years later, that, uh, we wouldn't where, where he's gone. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll just sign Ben Marshall this time. 
We should get that Nakataya from Leeds. Apparently, uh, he was being shipped around before that game, actually, because he wasn't getting as much game time as Arsenal wanted. He looks the right handful. He really does, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> so there was, a, there was a move where, I think it's actually before, was it Alioski hit the post? Uh, deep in the second half, you know, they, and um, that was across from the right, but it all came from him getting inside probably Liam Palmer and just absolutely skinning him down the down their left channel, getting to the byline and just, you know, putting a, a crazy ball across the box. He he looked really pacey and tricky. That was uh, pacey, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you can yeah. tell by the way he fell over. I, I served that up, buddy. Served that up. <laughs> Did you see the speaking of Pelopetti again? Did you see the two tackles he tried to make and missed both of them and still ended up getting booked for him? <laughs> he made two tackles in a row on the same guy and missed both tackles, then got a yellow card for it. That was probably Pelopetti's career snubbing like 10 seconds. Suffice to say, Paddy is not a Pelopetti fan. Uh, can we just. Uh, if you've have listened to the last two years of the show, you might be aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> just one word of praise for that uh, finish from uh, Fletcher that oh so nearly was. Um, I think it was, you know, another run from Fox down the left and the uh, the ball in. But he meets it with such power and pace, the one that comes back off the bar. I mean, if that goes in the back of the net, that is one hell of a goal, right? Um, that move was brilliant. It was, was wasn't it? The whole move, but that the finish, everything was absolutely cast iron. Um, it was a real shame that didn't go in. There's about eight or nine passes that led up to that move, which and the movement from that, and this comes back to my, my kind of whole team unity thing. There's about, I think, about six or seven different players involved. It was Palmer that won it on the, as a right back position, plays it inside, and then there's some good movement from Fletcher to start the move off, goes to Bannon, goes to Fox. Fox, absolutely like a knife through butter, cuts the defence in half, and it's just a great, great, great move. And it's just inches from being one of our best goals of the season. <laughs> That covers the Leeds game. Now we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll cover your Wednesday news, some dispatches from MLS and other leagues, and a preview of Wednesday's Saturday morning fixture at Blackburn. It's now time for some Wednesday news. And as we reach the end of October, the Player of the Month voting is open on the Sheffield Wednesday website. Who is me the first person to make the Morgan Fox argument for Player of the Month? Any takers? I mean, I'm I'm rarely on the pod these days, Jeff. I'm not sure I'm ready to quite make that bed and lie in it, but um, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm certainly impressed with everything that Morgan Fox is contributing right now. He's uh, he's stepping up like a, like a lot of players this season, right? Um, and yeah, I mean, it should be a crowded field. Genuinely, I think I think we've got some really good contenders for Player of the Month at the moment in terms of everybody putting a shift in. He's had a good week, right? Can we just start? <laughs> it's been three games. <laughs> well, maybe a week and a half, I can't remember. It's the Cardiff game, the... Uh, what's going after that? Cardiff game, Stoke, and then the Leeds. It's had three very good games. Is that a month? Is that worth it for Player of the There's Month? There's also an international break in there, so it's fewer games. Okay. Maybe that's why it's been gone. I just thought it wasn't really enough time to uh, give him Player of the Month, but I suppose we haven't played that many games this season, this week, this month. So I don't know. I just feel like it's it's just a, maybe uh, a week worth of data, not really good enough to go on. So I, I'm holding off on going full bar Morgan Fox Player of the Month just now. But I haven't got a um, I haven't got a preference other than him. Maybe Westwood for making saves every single game. I think there's Julian a... Borner for his stunning finish at Cardiff. <laughs> I think there's an oh, argument yeah. for Iorfa too, and the work that he's done stepping in at centre back. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like, although the results have been fairly good this month uh, overall, that there's really a clear-cut Player of the Month candidate, which probably speaks towards the overall uh, you know team performance that we outlined in the first half. On Fox, I do want to make a a more general point here that you know we tend to look at these players in vacuums for the most part, but there's certainly, you know, players that get more out of certain systems and, and more out of certain managers. There's, you know, Wednesday players we can point to that got their best performances in the Carlos era. Obviously we can look at New Hughes run down the stretch under Yas a few years ago. So, you know, it could just be the, the you know, the right, player in the right system at the right time with Fox and I don't know if that's you know everyone I think gets a little bit of credit for it but I don't know that it's you know 
that difficult to reconcile the Morgan Fox that we've slagged off on this podcast for the last two years with the one that's been pretty good for the last three games, as Patty said. It's a little bit more than three games. I think Morgan Fox has been pretty good for about six months. Um, maybe a little bit longer, actually. I mean, he started to come good under Bruce. so And then he didn't get so much game time because, you know, Eof was playing right back, then Palmer was switched over to left. Um, I think he's been pretty reliable for some time, actually, if I'm generous, which I really am. So so take that. One little note I want to make is that the uh, under-23s continue to struggle this year. They lost 4-0 to Barnsley this week. Do we care about this so much? You know, we update, well, isn't Borokov, like, you know, banging them in anymore? Yeah, yeah. We, I'd on. have to go and look. But I think there has been sort of less emphasis put on the youth teams, really, since Yas left. Like, there hasn't been as much, you know, blooding of younger players by, you know, Bruce or, or Gary Monk, which I guess you'd expect. There's sort of a, you know, a cliche about those sort of kind of itinerant championship premier league yo-yo managers and what they're what they're tasked with when they come in but you know uh we talked about how well morgan fox has done i think before the year we would have expected you know matt penny to have a have a place in the squad at left back and he's out on out on loan at saint pauli and that's worked out okay although we saw a lot of fullback death which would make me nervous but they haven't really you know if you look at the the squad really outside of outside of Dawson, they haven't really brought through, you know, youth players in, in recent years. I don't know how much that matter or recent months, I should say. I don't know how much that matters or how sustainable that is. You know, Jordan Thornley has popped up now and again and looked, you know, not as good as he looked when he was getting regular playing time. I don't know what to make of that. You know, he's probably someone that needs, you know, maybe like a loan out in January, but given that they can't keep their first two choice center backs healthy. That's probably not really an option either. It's just something that I noted this week. Cause I know they've been having some bad results and you never want to lose four nil to Barnsley anyway. Patty, there is a coaching rumor on the horizon. Yeah, it's the same rumor that we heard a few months ago. Um, but it's, it's risen again. It's James Beatty, uh, the, uh, X blade, X Southampton striker. Um, and it's risen again. I mean, I know BT was quite good in his heyday, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gone that far, Paddy. Some people on Twitter are saying he could get into our um, first level at the moment, but that's a bit harsh, I think, on Fletcher. Um, so, yeah, it's been around for ages. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet, because I think it's something that makes sense to get some more coaches in, since uh, we were still two coaches down from when Steve ABC left. Um, so, yeah, makes sense to me. What do you guys think? I mean, I don't really care if he's an ex-blade or not. He's not playing for the team. He's, he's a coach, for God's sake. It's not like he's you know, Chris Wilder's brother and, uh, you know, bleeds red and white and, uh, and can't stand Wednesday. I mean, you know, he was, he was a bit of a journeyman in his time, wasn't he? He played for a whole bunch of clubs. So, um, but he played at, at a high level. He's well-connected. If he's, you know, if he is a good coach, Didn't then Steve who Bruce cares, literally right manage Sheffield United? <laughs> Precisely. Yeah, look, it, it's yeah, it's actually irrelevant. So my, my view is, look, if he's, you know, if he's someone who Monk trusts, who uh, players get along with well and he's got something to contribute, then I don't see the impediment. I mean, um, we were chatting before we got on the uh, on the pod, you know, what, why, what would be the holdup? There doesn't seem to be an obvious one other than probably Wednesday's pulling their fingers out and offering them to pay, to pay him a wage. Uh, so hopefully that's what we're going to do. And another uh, news item of interest to Patty. Uh, do you want to explain the uh, Bands FC label to <laughs> listeners that might not be familiar with it? Yeah, if you go to Twitter and uh, follow at Bands FC, if you're not aware of it, it's a really cool uh, handle which mixes uh, bands and football teams together and creates like logos. Um it's a bit of fun. Um, what they tend to do, though, is every now and again, they uh, make their logo um, into a shirt and uh, uh, sell it for a small, small period of time, and all the proceeds go to charity. Mm-hmm. Um, previously, they've done a pulp shirt, which is based on a, a kind of retro Wednesday generic blue and white kit. Uh, it's, a, it's the pulp logo in the style of our old Chevy Wednesday Owl uh, with a nice Jarvis Cocker uh, quiff. 
Um, it says Pulp rather than SWFC. Uh, and then the sponsor is Disco 2000. It's a really, really nice shirt. I've, I've got it. A few other New York cars have got it too. Uh, that's going back on sale. And like I said, they only do this for one day at a time. So uh, November the 1st at midnight uh, English time uh, through to midnight the next day. Uh, and again, all proceeds are going to the Sheffield Children's Hospital, I think, again. Um, so, yeah, get on Bands FC. Uh, have a look at the uh, Pulp uh, Wednesday shirt. Uh, and it's about, I think it was about 40, 50 quid last time. Um, it's also going to a great cause, too. So it's a really cool shirt. Go for it. It's now time for Dispatches from American Soccer. Last week, we discussed Patty's local club. This week, we'll discuss one of mine. Uh, Hartford Athletic, who just finished their first season in the USL Championship, has uh, parted ways with Freddie Nielsen, their manager. Uh, all I see here is another opportunity for uh, for John Harks. I know all Wait, the man. I know all the good bars in the area, John. <laughs> I can probably find you like a... I don't know if there's a Scottish national club. I could probably find one if I needed to. But yeah, so, yeah, coming, up, coming up to Hartford... We're both trying to pitch our own <laughs> local clubs to John Harks, basically, because he's done so well at Greenville Triumph. We want him to uh, basically be our friends. Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying there might be a little less pressure. Like one, you know, it's one level at a time kind of thing. He's proven himself well, in USL League One, now USL Championship, and well, obviously, so obviously, he has the. I, I don't want to say he has the. The connection because he, this isn't the Metro Stars, but uh, sorry to disappoint you, Jeff, but I've already uh, had a DM from John Harks and yeah, he yeah. said he's going to manage Red Bulls. So uh, I asked very politely. Uh, <laughs> I did, uh, I did uh, remind him it's his hometown group, um, <clears throat> and he was well up for it. He just said, "Of course." <laughs> well, I think if he if he does get that job, we need to do a, a a second interview with him. Maybe we'll just do it live in uh live in Kearney in the pub. I think definitely that's why you do that because I mean that that club looks amazing. So the, yeah. if you're aware of this uh, Scots club in Carney, it's a place uh, frequented by Mr. Harks's uh, father and himself uh, over over the years, and it's got a lot of memorabilia about John in there. They're big uh, Harks family fans, so they're also now watching the Dundee games now. Ian Harks <laughs> is playing for Dundee. Um, yeah, so it'd be great to do a little kind of interview there. And if John, if you're listening, let's 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 hook it up once uh, your Greenville season has uh, come to an end, and we can. Uh, that winding down would be great. I actually watched the uh, El Trafico Derby this week. I got home from which bowling. Is, like, right which is what clubs? Yeah, yeah. That is LAFC and the Los Angeles Galaxy, Patty. And why is it called El Trafico? Because have you ever tried to drive in LA? <laughs> it's the stupidest name ever. It's not as good as uh, my mate's name for the Huddersfield Town versus Middlesbrough game uh, last week, which is called El Crapico. <laughs> 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 which also lived up to the billing of nil-nil. <laughs> What possible reason is there to name a game between Huddersfield and Middlesbrough apart from the fact that it's a shit game? To my, to my, to my, oh, so I was, most of my I was trying to think of like, are. is there even a road that connects those two places? <laughs> I mean, there's there's like the M62 slash A1, but that's not really that's not really interesting. I've just got a friend that's bought both Borough and uh, Huddersfield, and they all came down for the Huddersfield. Of course, sods. <laughs> so they called it El Crapico. And it was crap. It was nil-nil. The defending was probably better than... LAFC <laughs> against the Galaxy, though. Let me tell you. Wow. Um, I don't remember the player's name now, but I posted it in a... It was a very bad, intermittent, like, hall bench striker for a couple of years. And he just absolutely torched the entire Galaxy defense for one of LAFC's five goals. This wasn't the one. They scored back-to-back very quickly. In the first half, I believe. And by the second one, like the smoke bombs that they had set off were still like the actual like fog smoke resultant was still like in the entire penalty area as they came down the next time. And I'm just like, what is even happening here? Like, can the goalkeeper see this? I don't know. Oh, here it is. It's uh, uh, Adama Diamande. Don't, don't know if you remember him. He played 49 times for Hull between 2015 and 2018, scoring six goals, and he scored 20 in 43 games for Los Angeles FC. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly think the MLS, I mean, it's funny, um, I'm going to get the my... He was uh, wildly entertaining, I will say that. 
It's 5-3, because, I mean, the defence in the MLS has got worse and worse over the years. So, I mean, Red Bulls lost 4-3. There's been games that finish. This is all the playoffs. 5-1, some scores. 4-3 here. Um, so, yeah, it's just every single game got loads and loads of goals. And it's just it's just that the, the defence has given up. You know, like in the World Cup that time, where um, I think they changed some rules and everyone was really defensive, so they were scared to lose. It was, it was a golden goal, wasn't it? The, the, everyone, rather than being, like, all going home and trying to score a goal, everyone went the opposite and tried to defend. They moved the playoffs this year to be a one, uh, just one game rather than over two legs. So I think the the um, <laughs> that's just contributed to this massive amount of goals. Everyone's just going for it, and MLS uh, teams can't defend at the best of times. So when they're all going for it, and defenses are just not coping, obviously, and you're getting these massive scores like five three and four three and five one. Perhaps we can uh, expect something like that against Blackburn this weekend. Maybe not. Does anybody have any information on Blackburn? Our stat man isn't here. I know where Blackburn is, Jeff. Um, <laughs> should should, should we review Blackburn, so. or, is, or has that been done before on a Wednesday pod? Uh, I've got an idea, guys. I don't think any of us have prepared for this. I'm going to bring my mate Jay. Hang on a minute. I'm just going to call him in now. My mate Jay is the Blackburn Rovers New York City supporters group guy. Doesn't You'll know it's quite the prestigious title. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. He has it on like a door plaque, Jeff. Mm. Like, you know, etched in silver. Mm. Hope he didn't pay by the letter. It's a lot of letters. Jay! Yo, what's up? How you doing, man? Thanks for answering the call. Just hanging out in the dark. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, awesome. Thanks for joining, mate. Uh, we're going to just bring you straight in, mate, because we had no idea what to talk about with Blackburn Rovers. And I thought, I've got a guy that knows about Blackburn Rovers, and it'd be cool to get you on. So you okay. are now on the Sheffield Wednesday Owls America's podcast, and you've got Jeffrey and James with us. Hey, man. Uh, hey, Jay. Thanks for having me, guys. No worries, man. So uh, first of all, people uh, listening back home will want to know straight away why an American supports Blackburn Rovers as much as most people want to know why we support Sheffield Wednesday. So what is your story of Rovers fandom? Um, so it kind of uh, it's it started uh, 2002 World Cup was uh, the first time that I ever really uh, paid serious attention to the sport, um, which is pretty common for, for Americans. I think, uh, they, they tend to get introduced to the sport through a world cup. Um, and, uh, Brad Friedel was playing out of his mind for the, uh, U S national team. And nobody told me that your, uh, favorite, favorite player wasn't supposed to be a goalkeeper. So, uh, I started following uh, Friedel's career and then uh, started watching Rovers uh, when I could, which was very, fairly rarely uh, just because back then, you know, you'd get a couple games uh, on delay on like Fox Sports World or whatever. Uh, maybe like a season, right? But, but that was about it. And I, uh, you know, the, the more I watched Rovers, uh, the more all the uh, the negative things that um, uh, the, the the southern uh, media would say about uh, their playing style and about like Mark Hughes and stuff, I just it, those all sounded like compliments coming from uh, from being an American sports fan. Like, <laughs> it's stuck in, and you know they they. Uh, it, they, they tackle hard and stuff like that. All these things are supposed to, you know, imply that they play the game the wrong way. I'm like, well, after watching American football, I'm like, oh, you're supposed to do those things. <laughs> so 2002, when you first started really paying attention to it, when was the first game you went to at Ewood? Oh, the first. So I didn't I didn't get to uh, Ewood until 2000. 12 it was either 2011 or 2012 um it was uh it was the last year that we stayed up um yeah so it was um we had a manager who who shall rename who shall remain nameless <laughs> and um so I went the uh, first time I got to Ewood was towards the end of the season home match against uh, Birmingham. Uh, we drew one one. Junior Hoylett scored the equalizer, and then um, 
Actually, he scored the go-ahead, and then Birmingham equalized. And then a week later, I went to uh, Everton away, and we just got trounced 2 nothing. Don't even think we had a shot on <laughs> I want Before we go into uh, this current season, I want to also uh, ask, so now, uh, I know both Jay and his wife, Anna, and uh, for their honeymoon, where did you go this uh, for your honeymoon, Jay? <laughs> Uh, we, we went to Germany on the honeymoon, but my wife discovered that uh, you could get a layover in Manchester uh, at, at no extra charge. So this was entirely her idea. And so the first stop on our honeymoon was to Ewood Park. And uh, you can imagine what the, uh, the people of Lancashire thought when these two New Yorkers were coming on their honeymoon uh, to Ewood. So that was... <laughs> <laughs> we, I'm still probably the only Americans ever to honeymoon at Ewood Park. <laughs> or in Blackburn. Was a it a glamour place. fixture at least? Uh, no, it was, it was ugly. It was, uh, it was Rovers versus Bristol City. Uh, <laughs> I think both teams were comfortably mid-table. Ended 2-2 draw. And Paul Lambert was already like halfway out the door <laughs> well at least got some goals yeah yeah that's true um uh, i think it was both of them might have been danny graham oh, we didn't talk about him anymore <laughs> he's, he's banned from this podcast i tell you what it is nice to hear that you know a, another championship club is also ruining experiences for americans when they make <laughs> long pilgrimages to the uh, to the north of england you know normally we just hear kind of the routine sorrows of wednesday nights who go across there and see us get spanked by cardiff or somebody like that yeah, this could be a regular feature. We could get more Americans from other clubs to give us the previews of the next game. So, uh, Jay, I, I don't want to bring this up too bad. I know they're not going too well this season, but uh, what's your thoughts on Blackburn's season so far and your expectations for the rest of the season? Um, so, I, my my expectations going into the season, uh, I was I, I tend to be an optimist, anyways, um, uh, which is very rare I find among among Blackburn Rovers supporters. Um, probably among Northerners, Northerners maybe. <laughs> um, so my, my expectations coming in or my, my optimism coming in was that, uh, you know, we would be flirting with the playoffs. Um, and obviously we're not, um, but, uh, with, with Mowbray, we tend to, uh, go on some, some, runs of form one way or another and right now we're in one of the bad ones um but you know he he'll go six seven eight games without a win and then he'll win four in a row um and uh right now we're struggling in my opinion mostly because we lost uh out of our back four we lost the two players that uh we could least afford to lose uh, in Cunningham and Lenahan, and that like we, we were so thin at the back. And if you would have if you would have said Jay, name two players that you would least likely you would least like to lose going forward, I would have picked those two. And then sure enough, uh, I think it was either in the same game or over a two game span, we lost them both, and um, we've just you know been pretty pretty terrible since then. I think uh, last year we had the same thing. Lenahan went down and we won one out of our next 11. And then he came back and we won four in a row. And then we had won five in a row before he went down. So it was nine in a row with Lenahan and then one out of the other 10 that he was missing. So I guess the crucial question is, is he playing Saturday? He is not. No, he's... Uh, Three points, guys. He's pretty hurt, and um, Cunningham, both of those guys, our two most important defenders, are hurt, so we have to figure something out. I was reading a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, I read a few articles about Blackburn uh, as a way of trying to talk about something in this section at the moment, and uh, I see a lot of people saying that this might be Mowbray's last game. Do you think uh, that's true? Do you think it's for the chop? Uh, so it's, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of complicated. Uh, it's kind of complicated. Um, I don't think he is facing as much pressure as Rovers fans might want him to. 
um, the the owners in India tend to be very very slow to fire managers, um, and I I think I think they they know what they've got in Mowbray, and I don't necessarily think they'll be rushing to um, rushing to get rid of him and try to bring somebody else in. And at any normal club, would he be under pressure and needing a result from one of these next two matches uh, to, to keep his job? Yes. But with us, I don't know that Venkis will, uh, will pull the trigger on that. And I don't even know if I'd want them to because they've they've hired about eight different managers since they've got here and Mowbray even though he's been overall kind of average has been by far the best <laughs> the second was uh Gary Bowyer and he wasn't even you know he was just a uh, youth coach that they brought up and he happened to not be as bad as everyone else <laughs> So while we're on Venkis, um, I I've spoken to Stephen about this too. Stephen's the mutual friend of ours. And uh, what's your current opinion of Venkis? Because obviously, when when Venkis first took over, uh, there was massive protests, lots of uh, issues. It was a real rocky road you guys were on. Uh, and now it's you don't hear about it much anymore from from a from an opposition point of view. So are you guys just okay with Venkis now? What happened? I think we are reluctantly aware of their necessity. Um, it, the reality is, if Venki stopped putting money in the club, we're going to go the way of Bolton. You know, hopefully we don't go the way of Bury, but um, that is that's the direction that we would be going if Venkis don't put money in the club, and they have been. They They've always been putting money in the club. They were just putting money in the club in the worst possible way at the beginning of their tenure. But recently, um, they've been the money's been spent a little bit better. Um, we've been more stable. They haven't been listening to um, agents as uh, they haven't been using agents as advisors as they had when they first came into the club so I, I, will i forgive them for firing sam allardyce uh, allardyce and uh replacing him with the bald guy that uh i didn't mention before no <laughs> never forgive them maybe i'll consider forgiving them if we end up back in the premier league at some point but um i can at least uh, acknowledge that they've been doing a better job and that we absolutely need their money in order to continue um, existing in our in the current way that we're existing. I think that's fair. I think that's fair, and it's uh, it's it's probably good. It's it's nice to hear like a redemption, I suppose, of uh, the evil kind of owners uh, continuing to plug money into it and. I think sometimes fans have got to realize that a lot of people don't get into this job necessarily to, to like a, a surefire kind of quick money w uh, grabs. Like uh, the guy that took over from us, uh, a Thai guy, he's invested so much money into into us, and it's not worked yet. Uh, yeah. if he's, I mean, how long have they been charged for now? What is it? Eight years, maybe seven years? Uh, Venkis. Yeah. It has been. This is the ninth year. Because in 2011, I think they took over, and then we barely stayed up that year. Uh, it's, it's either it's either eight or nine years, one of those. I right, can't. So, it, so to bankroll the club for nine years, I mean, they've got to have some um, some uh, love for the club itself and the fans, and and want it to do well. So I think fair play for them sticking in there after after a very very rough opening few years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, they were taking a lot of advice from uh, some agents and they, you know, the agents fees were making up 60% of a transfer. It was just, there was a lot of dodgy stuff going on. And because they hadn't been in football, you know, they just trusted these people that, uh, that 
they thought they should trust. And it took them a, a few years to figure that out. Cool. So this is a Wednesday podcast. We're going to have to ask you one Wednesday related question. Um, kind of looking across the Pennines um, at the glorious surroundings of Hillsborough, uh, which uh, which one Wednesday player would you love to pluck out of our squad and uh, and drop into Ewood Park? Oh, man. Um, I'm trying to... I'm 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 pretty shit at this. Uh, I'm I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember who killed us last year in the second the second match we played. You guys. I yeah I can't. It, to be honest, I can't even. Uh, I cannot come up with an answer for that. Sorry, and I'm I'm not that there isn't. It's just. Um, it, with through I follow, I only really watch Rovers, and um, I'm I'm trying to remember. God, there was somebody. There was somebody on Wednesday. Was it one of your wingers that was just absolutely destroying us last year? Maybe like he was. I, I want to say that he kept. He kept like he he absolutely made Elliot Bennett look every bit as pedestrian as one should make Elliot Bennett look when he's being played out of position but i just remember one player i believe it was a winger um so if you're wondering the uh goal scorers in that game were stephen fletcher eddie newhue dominic iorfa and marco matthias i mean i think it was matthias was it that it game might matthias have been matthias. Really good yeah game. i think the game that matthias had well he's freely available now if you want marco matthias so. <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about it was definitely liam palmer <laughs> I think you landed on Marco Matthias's only good game, Jay. So yeah, you should have bought him for millions and millions of pounds. Should have, yeah. Apparently, that's what that that's the problem when you play <laughs> once. And you, I mean, you could have told me it was anybody. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't have signed up for Stephen Fletcher um, only only because that that name has a certain dingle ring to it. Um, but uh, anybody else, even though he's a I, Fletcher's one of your better players, isn't he? Yeah, it's, it's it's been great this season. Um, awesome, man. Um, any players to watch out for this weekend? Um, <laughs> probably not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, uh, obviously, Bradley Dak. Uh, the way if Bradley Dak has a good game, it normally means we've scored some goals, and and you guys, you guys might have a have a little bit of fight. On your hands, uh, if he has a bad game, uh, you guys will probably walk us. Um, so uh, Dak's obviously always important. Um, I would say uh, Sam Gallagher is. It'll be interesting to see him. Uh, he 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 had a long uh, goalless drought, and then depending on who you ask, he either scored one or two against Preston. Um, one of his goals was, was given as a, uh, own goal to the keeper, I guess like the keeper blocked it and then it went off the post and then it went back off the keeper and then it went in. So I don't know if you want to give him credit for that, but either way it, it sparked his confidence. Um, and, uh, it, so we, we've got a striker that has, has some newly found confidence, uh, and I think uh, you, you won't really have to worry about uh, Danny Graham this time. I think unless he comes on the last 15 minutes, because uh, he just he you know he's old. He hasn't been playing that much unless uh, unless Tony Mowbray has been saving him for for Wednesday at home. <laughs> um, he didn't look that old uh, last year when he scored three against us. <laughs> yeah. To be fair though, this this picture's got a lot of goals. Uh, we've had what twelve goals in the last two games. We get we uh, reversed the score against you in our home game. We won four two. You beat us four two. So I mean, I don't think we have that many goals this time around. If you are struggling to score and we've got a good defence, but um, yeah, so for a good game, mate. And I really do appreciate coming on at last minute. We just literally uh, called Jay up about twenty minutes ago and asked him. So uh, appreciate, man, and uh, all the best for the season. All right, cheers, you guys too. Uh, good luck. Hope you hopefully uh, hopefully we we get you on Saturday, but then uh, hopefully you you stay 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 up on the top of the table and uh, and either find your way going up or or into the playoffs or something. Thanks, man. I'll see you Saturday. Cheers, cheers. Do we have any other business?
Uh, yeah, we do. Um, I feel like I've talked a lot. Is there anyone else want to talk? <laughs> You're the one that made out the agenda. Any other, part, any other so. business is. Jeff, you might have to ask that question again. Patty, oh, where, Patty where are the meetups this weekend? Oh, we um, have a meetup in New York, as just uh, mentioned there with Jay. So myself and Jay are the heads of the New York Owls and New York Rose. We'll be meeting up at 11 a.m., a lovely uh, time to meet because it's the uh, Daylight Savings has gone ahead of the U.S. in the U.K., so we've got an hour extra in bed this weekend, which makes up for last week, where we were up at uh, 7.30 to watch the game. Uh, also meet up uh, in uh, New Orleans. Uh, it's Tim that's arranging this one as uh, Jamie's on dad duty. They will be at Mimi's in the Marigny. Um, slightly alternate venue than their usual at Finn McCall's. And another new venue has popped up um, on our radar. A uh, friend of the pod, Stephen Peck, has bought a bar with a business partner. Uh, we tried to get on this week, but unfortunately they were too busy setting up their bar. Um, and they have a bar in North Manchester, Indiana. Uh, they opened up at 7.30 last week um, for the Leeds game. Uh, they're opening up uh, again this Saturday. If you're in the North Manchester, Indiana area, uh, please go down uh, support Stephen's new bar. He'll have the Wednesday games on whenever he can. Uh, and again, uh, yeah, go on to our Facebook events page to find details of all those meetups. You've been listening to episode 82 of the Owls AmeriCast, brought to you by Sheffield Wednesday's iFollow live match streaming service. Sign up at swfc.co.uk slash iFollow. We're on the internet at owlsamericas.com. You can email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com and find and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdayites, Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls AmeriCast, we ask you rate and review the show that helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. James is on Twitter at Manhattan Owl. James, you've been... Uh, by your standards, relentlessly positive this week. So you want to rain on our parade before you go? No, I'm trying to distract myself from the, uh, the actual dire consequences of a general election in December. So everything Wednesday is positive in contrast. Oh, God. Patty, <laughs> what pessimism. Patty is on Twitter, at New York Owls, and at Patty A. Jones. Uh, Patty, who is your favorite Blackburn Rovers player? Uh, well, in the current squad, can no, I say Alan Shearer? You say Alan Shearer if you want to say Alan, Alan Shearer. Shearer. Yes, Alan Shearer. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostra, and we'll be back here for a full debrief on the Blackburn Rovers game next week. What does the fuck say?